WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Brian Lehrer on WNYC. Now, a closer look at Mayor Eric Adams' new proposal for a Department of Sustainable Delivery for New York City, Department of Sustainable Delivery. Can the mayor and city council work together to tame the Wild West e-bike and moped free-for-all we now have on New York City streets and sidewalks that's making many people feel unsafe and is causing some actual grievous harm? Can they tame the two-wheelers while respecting and supporting the delivery workers who depend on them and maybe even make their jobs and their vehicles safer for them? Does sustainable mean more climate-friendly, too? And this isn't just about, say, Grubhub and Uber Eats. New Yorkers get so many packages delivered these days. So there's even an idea in there for trucks to stop at certain boundary points and have packages delivered those final blocks to your door using cargo bikes in parts of the city. A lot of people don't even know what a cargo bike is. We'll talk about that. Um, those, those would change the mix of vehicles on the city streets yet again. We can at least say that. Here's the mayor in his State of the City address last week unveiling the idea. We cannot have mopeds speeding down our sidewalks and forcing people to jump out of the way. We must also protect the drivers and delivery workers who show up for New Yorkers at all times of day and night, all kinds of weather. That is why we are in discussion with the city council to create the Department of Sustainable Delivery, a first-in-the-nation entity that will regulate new forms of delivery transit and ensure their safety. So we'll explore the potential implications of a New York City Department of Sustainable Delivery now with John Sirico, a journalist, teacher, and researcher who focuses on issues of mobility, sustainability, and open space. Among other things, he's a regular contributor to Bloomberg City Lab and an adjunct professor at NYU's Arthur L. Carter Journalism Institute and writes a newsletter called Street Beat. John, thanks for coming on. Welcome to WNYC. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. Is the mayor proposing a new city department that would have a commissioner, that sort of thing? Yeah. So like the most immediate action uh, that that is going to come out of this is going to be another task force uh, where 
the hope is that they'd gather the, the app-based companies that so many of these delivery workers are working for, uh, representatives of delivery workers, uh, transit advocates, uh, you know, city council members, city hall, to all come together and really create the framework of what this department would look like. And I really, I think to your point uh, with your introduction, you really got at how complex this issue is uh, and how many different sides there are to this issue. And I think they're going to really try to figure out how to get this right. Yeah, well, I mean, I can say, just speaking personally, I know I don't cross the street the same way I did five years ago, right? Yeah. I used to basically look out for cars in the street that might be driving against the light, and that was about it. Now I'm looking both ways crossing a one-way street because the micro-mobility vehicles don't care about one-way streets, and I look for those vehicles, you know, blasting through red lights at, frankly, a much higher frequency than cars do. At least that's the way it looks to me. Is that my imagination? No, I would say this is so interesting because it's something that, you know, I'm a, I'm a regular cyclist myself and I talk to my most progressive of friends, my, you know, the people who are cycling every day. And even they complain about this kind of general sense of disorder on the streets that's really come about these five, uh, five to six past years. You know, I think this is just a classic case of the technology really getting ahead of policymaking, right? Uh, these innovations kind of landed on our streets, much like Uber and Lyft did you know, 10 years ago, mm -hmm. and the city's really trying to keep up. I mean, we're seeing this with the lithium-ion battery regulations. We're seeing this with now wider bike lanes to really, for the city to really catch up to this really rapidly changing technology. Is there a way to know the actual harm as opposed to the feeling of harm from all this? We get lots of calls from New Yorkers who feel unsafe with the use of mopeds and e-bikes and scooters on sidewalks and breaking other traffic rules. But it's interesting, in the polarized city debate about micro-utility vehicles, and you know this, defenders say there's no data that shows they are a danger to pedestrians like cars are. But advocates for more regulation and enforcement, and full disclosure, a friend of mine is one of those advocates after her life was dramatically and permanently altered after being hit by one such vehicle driving illegally. Those advocates say the data are obscured because the categories the city keeps aren't clear enough to distinguish those accidents from those that are uh, car-caused. So my question is, do you know if the city has a way of really counting those incidents and their harm so that can inform how much regulation is needed. So I would say right now what exists is not a great system, right? So it either has to be reported directly to the NYPD if it gets reported at all, um, and you have situations where it might just be kind of a hit-and-run situation where there's you know either no reporting or nothing that comes of it. Also, you're kind of directly sometimes interfacing with the app-based companies, not necessarily with a car driver, right, or an insurance company. You know, when I spoke with Mira Joshi, the deputy mayor of operations, who really, you know, um, helped inspire this idea, given her time at, at the Taxi Limousine Commission, which we could talk about a little later, you know, she talked about how these, these data sets are kind of all over the place right now. Uh, and one thing that this department would really focus on is getting all this data from places like Uber Eats, Grubhub, Seamless, all these companies, and really try to figure out, you know, how often are our, our drivers, our riders going the wrong way? How often are they going the wrong way down a one-way street or going through the red lights? Uh, they, it would really give them the ability to, to kind of collate this data and make decisions based on this data right now. That really is kind of left to private companies to, to kind of uh, to kind of obtain and have. But I don't understand because people who are hurt 
certainly people who are killed, but even people who are hurt if they're hit by one of these vehicles, presumably there would be a police report in a lot of those cases, so they'd be able to see some numbers. Um, I mean, I see you wrote an article on Curbed in December, headlined, it was one of the deadliest years for cyclists in New York City, but pedestrian traffic deaths are reaching historic lows. So getting worse for bicyclists, better for pedestrians. But what's going on? What are some of those numbers? And do we know about pedestrian deaths or injuries from micromobility vehicles? Is there a number? So specifically when it gets to a point where it's where it's so dramatic like it's a you know a fatality then that's something that of course goes to the nypd or we have a very serious injury but i think when you speak with cyclists and pedestrians it's really the 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 kind of near miss that happens so regularly that's not being reported right then this is kind of fomenting this this feeling of sense of disorder you know as as kind of it relates to vision zero uh one of the kind of more interesting data points that comes from that is that one of the biggest kind of dramatic increases in cyclist deaths have been from e-bikes uh, particularly because my kind of sense through the reporting is that they're going at faster speeds. So what would normally be just an injury is becoming a death because of the speed. So it's something that DOT really kind of repeats over and over the city agency that says this is really uh, something that we're seeing in the data that didn't exist five years ago. Um, and it's something that they're they're kind of hyper focused on is that could be drawing up the cyclist deaths because we're kind of in this really strange period where we're seeing a safety for pedestrians, even if you know it's hard to believe. I think one of the first lines of my story was that it's hard to believe. Um, right. But at the same time, we're having this kind of bizarro kind of uh, world for cyclists that looks very different. So is that to say that these e-bike injuries and deaths, and I think I saw, saw a stat um, that said out of 36 bicyclist deaths last year, 30 were riding e-bikes. So if that stat is right, are those just e-bikes having a one vehicle crash or is that e-bikes and cars colliding? And because the e-bikes are going faster than regular pedal bikes, um, the injuries are more grievous. Typically the latter. So this is a crash with the, with a car overwhelmingly. So, yeah. Uh, so one could argue it's still the cars through better vision zero policies um, yes. that yes. need to be more regulated. Uh, but still, while recognizing that there is additional danger if you're riding an e-bike uh, and going above a certain speed. So far, Absolutely. all right, listeners, I'm going to put out the phone number because many of you are calling in already and I want everybody to have a shot. Uh, do you like the mayor's idea of creating a department of sustainable delivery and what do you think such a department should or shouldn't do? 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692. For our guest, John Sirico, who studies this kind of thing and teaches at NYU and writes for Bloomberg City Lab, among other places, call or text 212-433-WNYC. I want to make sure to get the delivery workers point of view and aspect into this. So far, I've read that Uber as a company is supportive of this initiative, which might surprise people, and delivery workers are suspicious. Is that your take so far on who likes and doesn't like this idea of regulating uh, what we call micromobility vehicles in new ways? Absolutely. You know, I think 
you know, rightfully so, delivery workers are coming from a history where uh, things really didn't change until the pandemic, where New Yorkers really felt like delivery workers were the frontline workers that were kind of coming through the pandemic, bringing food, going through the kind of worst of situations to really help people, bringing medical supplies, food, things like that. But before that, I think it's hard to remember now where, you know, e-bikes and mopeds were being were being heavily enforced on the streets. It was illegal up until a couple of years ago. So they have that in their memory of of persecution. And I think rightfully so when they hear a new government entity, uh, especially when a, a, a fair share of the workforce is undocumented, um, it could be very scary to hear that because that could mean more enforcement, that could mean more bureaucracy, more regulation. Um, I think in the kind of responses that have come from delivery workers since then, there's a mix of that, but also, you know, there is a very real fear around the battery fires. There is a real fear about labor exploitation. Uh, and these are issues that the department would try to take on. You mentioned um, the fact that many of the workers in this field are undocumented. And I see that uh, Deputy Mayor Joshi, who you mentioned that you spoke to recently, um, who's working on this new department idea, was quoted saying they might require IDs for all delivery drivers once this department gets going. But since many are undocumented, um, you know, there would probably resistant, be resistance to that, even though the quote I saw said, well, maybe it would be the, the city IDs, not a like a driver's license ID from the state, yes. the city IDs, which were created specifically for undocumented immigrants to have some form of, of legal ID. Yes. And I, I think this kind of mirrors, there's been this ongoing debate over a city council bill sponsored by uh, council member Rob Holden um, to to register every e-bike on the city on the city streets. And this is something that has really divided the transit advocacy community because they believe this would lead to persecution or enforcement, uh, while others would say this would help kind of, you know, rein in uh, the kind of sense of disorder we've discussed. Um, it kind of mirrors that ongoing debate between classification and registration. Uh, and what's the right approach there? Um, you know, I, again, Josh, Mira Josh, she's coming back from her days from TLC, where this commission was created 40 years ago to really start doing that sort of regulation for taxi drivers, which, at the, you know, in the early 1970s was a similar wild, wild west to what's going on now in terms of lots of different taxi companies kind of came into New York City and were competing. Uh, and the TLC was kind of came from that time to create a standardized approach uh, which is why I think you have companies like Uber cheering on something like this proposal. Listener texts, regulate an insurance for all motorized bikes, then data can be obtained. Tim in Manhattan wants to raise a fundamental question about an underlying premise in this whole conversation this and this whole topic. Tim, that's you. Go. Oh. Go for it, Tim. Yes, Brian, I'm on the air. You, yes, you are on the air. Don't get nervous. Brian, right now I'm calling you from the snowy Catskill Mountains, but my wife and I live and work in Manhattan, in Greenwich Village. We have been riding our bicycles day in and day out, year-round, on the streets of Manhattan, and we today literally have never felt less safe on our human-powered bicycles and my question is, why, post-pandemic, do we continue to refer to delivery as an essential service? I, I'll give you one glaring example. We live on West 12th Street. 
Murray's Bagels, right around the corner. I witnessed a guy on a moped, a gas-powered moped, no helmet, no plates, going down 6th Avenue, taking a left onto West 12th Street, and I saw a young, able-bodied man come bounding down his stoop to accept the small paper bag that had a bagel in it. So, right. in, in, this, in what is arguably the easiest big city in the United States in which to walk and bike, to shop and dine out, why are so many adults not getting dressed, going outside, shopping and dining in their neighborhoods, and instead picking up their phones and having someone bring it to them? From around the corner. Uh, John, have you thought about that underlying premise, and has it changed that much since the pandemic and not gone back, even though now people are not afraid to go to their grocery store? Yeah, I mean— there's kind of a larger existential question about New Yorkers getting out and about and going to get their, 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 you know, what they need for their everyday kind of existence. But, you know, a lot of New Yorkers can't do that, right? Either they can't walk, they have mobility issues. Um, you know, I think we really see uh, the kind of strength and value of this of this industry, especially during snowstorms or really horrible weather events uh, when they're still out there delivering food to people. Um, you know, I think you know, to the to the caller's point, I think one thing that that kind of it does touch upon is our addiction to delivery, right? And I think right. Brian, you really mentioned this at the offset, which is we've just become this completely, you know, delivery addicted city. And I think this is something that's we're seeing around the world, of course. Um, and I and I don't see that shifting anytime soon. And you know, personally, um, as a as a New Yorker who hears the kind of e-bikes and mopeds outside every day. I'd much prefer to hear that than huge delivery trucks every day going down my street. Uh, and it's something that, you know, transit advocates do argue that this this industry could help take those trucks off the street that we know really yeah. neighborhoods are super dangerous and all those things. And, um, so it's become this industry that is kind of pivotal to New York City and the industry here, but also, you know, um, something that we got to really figure out how to make it work in the, in the kind of environment we have. And it's not just New York City. And Tim, thank you for your call from the Snowy Cat Skills. Call us again, whether you're in the city or not. Um, it's, you know, nationally, uh, and again, I think the pandemic changed the degree of it, the amount that yeah. people order from Amazon or a million other places and get packages delivered to their door, not just, let's say, food and things from around the corner. Um, and this is... There's actually another part of this uh, Eric Adams Department of Sustainability blueprint that addresses that. And I'm curious to get your take on this because this part hasn't been discussed as much. Uh, and that's the use of cargo bikes. And you can explain what a cargo bike is because a lot of people don't know. That sure. would replace the trucks on the last, whatever it is, few blocks to people's doors so that the city streets don't get as clogged with trucks as they've been getting um, since the beginning of the pandemic. Because a lot of that package ordering, as opposed to shopping in stores, also has not gone away. Yeah, uh, this is such an important kind of part of the formula, too, especially as Manhattan uh, kind of sees the advent of congestion pricing, where a lot of companies are going to really have to figure this out if they don't want to pay the $15 toll or whatever it's going to be um, every day. So, you know, you kind of touched upon it. Uh, this is really the world of last mile deliveries, which is this idea of 
the big truck comes into New York City, has all of your goods, but instead of that truck going to every single house and delivering things, you know, they they move them onto smaller vehicles to do that last mile delivery from the kind of distribution center to your front door. Uh, this could be in the form of cargo bikes, which really are are e-bike, um, you know, with a kind of haul on it. You see this with a kind of boxes behind the e-bike. Mm -hmm. um, this can be done on the e-bikes e and mopeds we see today. Are they um, wide, wide like a pickup truck or something? Yeah, they're a bit wider. They're a bit wider and there's some regulations there about how wide they can be. Um, but they have a kind of larger haul. So, you know, this is this was kind of the justification or reason that the city gave when they recently widened bike lanes on on Third Avenue and 10th Avenue, uh, because uh -huh. there's these wider hauls that would really uh -huh. be able to carry a decent amount of goods. Acacia in Williamsburg, you're on WNYC. Hello, Acacia. Hi, full disclosure, I am an e-cargo bike rider. I oh, have wow. two kids, two and four, and we ride our e-cargo bike from Greenpoint to the East Village for school every morning. Um, you mean your your have, car your cargo is your children? Yes, yeah, <laughs> my yeah. cargo is my children, <laughs> and sometimes our dog. Uh, but what I don't understand is we have the largest police force. We have they're on every corner. We have so much money. Of, I mean, you know, give or take, um, and we have the laws on the book. Why isn't the laws? Why aren't they being enforced? Like, what are we paying them to do? They could be, they're walking down the block. They could see an e-bike with a bad battery and be like, hey, guy, that battery's bad. I got one in my trunk. Let's switch it out for you. Like, we have the manpower. I don't yeah. know why we, we don't do it. Why are we yeah. creating new administrations? I like the, the delivery thing, but, like, <laughs> other than that, it okay, baffles so my mind. Thank you very much. Okay, so if, I don't know if you can really see a bad lithium-ion battery just by looking at one. But on the other parts, the, uh, you know, the Wild West traffic patterns with the micro-mobility vehicles, e-bikes, mopeds, scooters, um, um, why do they need a new department? The listener is asking, why not just enforce the traffic laws? That's a great question. Um, you know, this is really the kind of argument that the city that City Hall has been making where, you know, just as you explained it with the NYPD, all these responsibilities are being done by a different agency right now. So currently, as it stands, um, the Department of Consumer and Worker Protection is responsible for labor regulation. So this is the most recent minimum wage rule for, for app-based workers, bathroom access, all these kind of labor protections that the city's put in place to make sure these, these delivery workers aren't exploited, but also lithium-ion batteries. However, when you're reading the news about lithium-ion batteries, you're probably hearing about the FDNY handling it, not DCWP. Um, however, you know if you have a traffic inf uh, infraction with the, with someone who's on a delivery moped, it's probably the NYPD, even though it's DOT who is responsible for creating the street design. So you have all these different entities that are kind of touching this one point, which makes it so complex. And you know the city's kind of argument is that as a result, we can't really regulate this current industry because it's being done by a little bit of a, of all these different kind of ABC soup of, of agencies. And this would kind of put it all in one place and allow, you know, I, I kind of seen this that the traffic enforcement by the MWP, NYPD, and we really see this at the base of the bridges where they're, where they're telling people they can't go over the bridges on a moped, I really think is a symptom of the lack of cohesion that we have around this issue yeah. where NYPD doesn't really know what to do. So they're just handing out tickets to what they've seen as an infringement or what they see as, you know, um, 
not suitable for the streets. I think it's a kind of sign that we don't know how we're really handling this problem as a city. And we should acknowledge that a lot of people might oppose more enforcement because we know who's going to get enforced upon more than other people. And, you know, force contact uh, for otherwise law-abiding people with the criminal justice system, and then it's a slippery slope from there. Yes. But sometimes I wonder these days about some of the safe streets advocates. Like in the pre-e-bike era, they were for pedestrian and bike safety versus cars, and that was relatively simple. Now they seem sometimes to be micro-mobility advocates, even though those um, vehicles are motor vehicles and pedestrians call the show all the time feeling unsafe from them. Do you have a comment on the politics of this? Brian, you touched upon what I think is one of the most contentious heated debates right now in the trans community where I think it does really divide people. Uh, I've had friends argue this over beers at a bar about what to do about the Queensboro Bridge, which is the most crowded bike lane in New York City. I truly mm. believe so. Uh, do you crack down? Do you do you widen the bike lane? Do you um, regulate the vehicles? What do you kind of do there? And I think this is something that um, the transit community is really kind of thinking through and trying to figure out what's the kind of position there. Um, what I'll just kind of say to that point is that I think everyone agrees that the current system is just so fragmented and, and needs to be improved. Uh, I was I kind of got that sense, you know, when I'm actually talking to cyclists, uh, just like the the caller who just called in, you know, I did a story about how crowded the the the, the bridges are getting and how crowded bike lanes are getting. And I was mm-hmm. so surprised talking to cyclists who you would think would be the most kind of, you know, cycling minded and uh, street design minded. Uh, who were all were like, this is a really annoying issue, how much I'm getting overtaken by mopeds and e-bikes, how I feel so unsafe. So, you know, the kind of rank and file cyclist is talking about this all the time. And that might sound different than what the trans advocates are talking about. I think there is a disconnect there that needs to be figured out. And we will leave it there. We will not solve the streets of New York today, but hopefully (laughs) some insight and some good discussion. Thank you, listeners, callers and texters. And thanks to John Sirico, journalist, teacher, and researcher who focuses on issues of mobility, sustainability, and open space. Among other things, he's a regular contributor to Bloomberg City Lab and an adjunct professor at NYU's Arthur L. Carter Journalism Institute and writes a newsletter called Street Beat. Thanks a lot, John. Really appreciate the conversation. Thanks so much.